The Paternity Test is a comedy podcast for adults. If you're not a grown-up, get off the internet. It's a horrible place. From Illinois and New York, it's the Paternity Test. This week, who's Johnny Cash? Anatomy talk with your kids. Suicidal imaginary friends. And unnecessary conspiracy theories. And now, three men who put the fun in funeral. Here are the dads. Hello and welcome. Thirty-three of the Paternity Test. I'm Todd Jay in the Chicago suburbs. I'm Matt Barazzi in Chicago, and I'm Dave Engel in upstate New York. Welcome back to the podcast that's embracing the fact that all pop culture properties now begin with a title card reading "30 Years Ago." Wow! So we just <laughs> the last time just there was the an original heels, idea. Just on the heels of Star Wars, the beats repeat. We now right. have this week, or two weeks ago, when when you're listening to this, however long we. <laughs> Let these episodes gestate. It'll be on DVD when this comes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, we have both the Ghostbusters reboot and Fuller House, and both of them start with thirty years ago on the bottom of the screen. And I have to say that I'm filled with self-loathing about our generation now because I've spent many years now complaining about the boomers and what they did to us throughout our youth with their Woodstock-flavored nostalgia machine. Right? All of our childhood and young adulthood, we had to watch retrospectives on Monterey Pop, and every show was about their midlife crises, right? And Not I only believe... that, in the 80s, it was their childhood in the 50s. Oh, right, 60s. all that 50s crap we had to watch right. all the time, all that, all it, that yeah, uh, Happy Days Grease garbage. Right. And then wasn't there uh, a Woodstock 30 years later? Yeah, 90, did, 98. Didn't they do Woodstock mm-hmm. 30 years later? Yeah. Or 99, right. whatever it was. We suffered through it. And as soon as we rested the cultural hegemony from them we doubled down on nostalgia and now we're we're completely poisoned by it now right? everything's going to be all the stuff you wouldn't pay attention to when we were kids because <laughs> we you were making us watch woodstock clips instead right. of paying attention so now to you're ghostbusters gonna be at home and we're gonna we're gonna nail you to a chair and make you watch that rom space night jason the wheel warriors crossover or whatever it was that <laughs> battles the brave what? star biotic six movie Jeez. deep cuts <laughs> so some strictly B-sides right there. You see the Men in Black 21 Jump Street crossover movie that's going to happen? What? what it hell? doesn't even make sense. It's a reboot of a show about narcs in a high school crossing over with a movie about alien hunters. We're almost at the point where, where like high school students get the 90s and 80s confused. And I actually think they do. But I, I would agree I, with you. I, I do. They don't mm-hmm. because everything. It was easier when we were younger to tell what was old because sometimes it was in black and white or it was just like terribly old. There was so there was such a difference in in the was music or video. You know, uh, you know, old TV shows. Right now, you could look at a show and go, "Oh, was that just ten years ago?" I go, no, that was thirty years ago. Right, you know, the you quality could see a TV of the... show, you could see, yeah, a movie because it's been whatever re- digitally remastered, and you go, oh, that was that when you were a kid, ten, you know, and the, no, I was thirty years ago that came out, and they right, don't it's understand all got the Rob 80s Lowe and in 90s. it. He's the same age in all of it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the other thing. The celebrities didn't age, so it's hard to tell. He's look at you know Back to the Future, and then what was the TV? What was the sitcom he was in? What was the sitcom? Uh, 
that was pretty popular. Family Ties? No, not Family Ties. After you Family Ties. City? The, the, yeah. Yeah, Spin City. And he essentially looks the same age. I mean, he didn't look that much older in Spin City than he right. looked in Back to the Future. Right, just a little wobblier. Well, there was that. It's interesting. I was, we were listening to uh, Lionel Richie earlier today, uh, as we do on Sunday mornings. And I was thinking about how he's in, he's, I heard he was in some legal fight with Adele over the title of the content of her song, which the songs have nothing to do with one another. But I thought it was funny because I'm like, dude, you got to cut people who write music today a break because when he was writing music, he was basically in darkness writing, like writing popular music. Right. Because popular there was no popular music 30 years ago before that that sounded anything right. like. Right. Because you go to like 1956 and that's when all like rock and any, any rock derivative, any R&B or anything else like starts then. So right. you're not going to mix it up with songs from Tommy Dorsey. Right. Yeah. No. So, so the ballads then were the ballads then were about Johnny getting in a car crash, you know. <laughs> right. Right. And put your sweater on your grave. Yeah. Doo wop. Yeah. You're not going to. In the, you know, so if Adele comes out with a song that happens to have the same title, it's a little unfair. Well, if you look at how many songs in the last few years have the same title as major songs are life-ish. Like, uh, is it Just the Way You Are? Yeah. By Bruno like Mars? That. I'm like, really? Another like soft rock song called Just the Way You Are? And Hello? And But it just shows you that anybody writing music now, it's like there's a huge cultural reset. In about 2000, yeah. and nobody remembers anything before. Certainly my college students know no pop culture from before they were born, except for Star Wars. Like, they did nothing. And it's because there's so much pop culture now, there's no room in their brains for old stuff. Whereas there was so little pop culture when we were kids that we could know all of our kids' stuff, our parents' stuff, and it was all on syndication. So we, like, had to watch The Addams Family, you know? Right, we had to understand our parents' culture. Them looking at our childhood now... It's kind of like us looking at our grandparents' childhood because of the giant leap, I think, in technology. Like, our parents pretty much had everything we had, except video games, you know? And that wasn't, I mean, I know this is arguable, but it's not that big of a shift. But to go from, to go from cable TV to all the information in the world ever on a phone in your pocket is an yeah. enormous shift. And so, yeah, that's a bigger shift from pinball to Pac-Man. Right. And so it's natural that we understood our parents, but I think, you know, in our generation, but God, today, how could they possibly give a crap about what we went through just because there's so, such a huge difference? Yeah. There's just so much. Todd, are you watching Fuller House? Yeah, it seems to be on, you know, at some point during the day uh, that the Ellie turns it back on. She's, we've talked about her obsession with the original Full House. Uh, you know, she's got the, the entire DVD box set. It's her kind of go-to, you know, background. It's on in the background or on in the car if she's just, you know, trying to make time go by, <laughs> which maybe I mean, there are probably much better things you can have on in the background, like, you know, classical music or anything. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Especially when you're nine, like to play a bad DVD box set while waiting for death. <laughs> maybe she should pick something with more seasons. Get her law and order. That a surprisingly long run. I think eight seasons worth. I didn't realize that because I think eighty nine to ninety seven. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons. Wow, you seem to like Full House because it gave you a way to bond with your kids because it's kind of a kids show. But were you into it 
back in the day, Todd? No. I'm a little too old to have watched it when it first came out. No, no, no. Because it was a, first of all, it was a Friday night show. So if you're home on a Friday night, that means you weren't cool. cool? <laughs> yeah, you didn't have friends. So at 89, I mean, I was only I was only 12. But by then we were by, on Friday nights. We're hanging out with friends. We're at you know each other's right, houses. Right, I was 13, doing 14, stuff. so I was starting when it to came out. out and by the time houses, yeah. we were in college, when it ended, so I didn't even I, I never even saw the last episode. I didn't even know how it ended. I assume they all died in a fiery car crash or something. To be fair, well, that, Todd was already was in a, a work thing. release program back in '89. He had to go back <laughs> to prison on the weekends for That's all right. the trucks that he robbed. So no, I really wasn't a, a Full House fan. And you're right. The reason that the reason I tolerate it is because it's something that it's one of those things that we we put on and all of us. Can can chuckle every once in a while and not fight over what's on the TV. So that's right. It's a way to bond with Ellie. Ellie loves it. I'll I'll, I'll hang. You know, I'll tolerate it because she likes it. But she really See, likes. If my family was watching Full House. We would all fight for the one cyanide capsule in the house because <laughs> I can't. I I watched the first. I don't think I even made it to the first dip to black for commercial, and I had to turn it off because they they hit the beats exactly. What's is, funny uh, is that if they would just. If they would have just said, let's not do the worst things, you know, the worst possible jokes that we squeeze in here just for laughs. Every once in a while, there's actually a clever plot or a clever joke. But it's so surrounded by fluff and, 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 ta- and you know, everyone's, everyone's you got it, yes, dude, Jesus. and how rude uh, and how have mercy that, like, you just go, I can't, I can't listen to that again. And so somewhere well, in a, there, they could beat. have had a decent TV show. If they would have just mm-hmm. scraped all that crap off the top. There was a beat where the, somebody said, hey, where's Michelle? Where's Olsen twins, right? This is in the first yeah. like minute of the show. And somebody said, she's in New York managing her fashion empire. And then one of them started to like give a you raised mean, eyebrow. Well, they, I think they even said, you mean, the, you mean the girl that we raised and loved and da, 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 did, couldn't come back for a family reunion? And then they – and go ahead. What happens next? Oh, well, so they – Started to give make a little reaction face, a little wry reaction face about how they're pissed off at the Olsen twins. And I thought, oh, that's a funny joke. And I started to laugh. Then they all turned literally yeah. towards the camera, like all six or eight people turned literally towards the camera, raised one eyebrow up like they were in a Tex Avery cartoon, like a <laughs> giant face. And then, worst of all, Bob Saget then stuck his neck out and made a big inquisitive face, like jammed his face as far forward as he could. Yeah. You almost, and, it almost and, needed and a sound effect. The, yeah. Burr. And the idiot Canadian started blowing air into his cheeks back and forth. And it lasted about actually, a good eight seconds, right? I mean, it was... Oh, forever. And then they piped in can cheering for a minute and a half. Oh. And they just kept... <laughs> I was filled with rage. Like, filled with rage. I thought I was going to stroke out. And I thought, is there no director on this show to say, Bob Saget, knock it the off like don't stick your neck out like that i don't understand why they made like you said they had the reference it was fine and then why did they why, why was that necessary and the, the entire episode i wish they would have come out and said look if you're going to watch episode one of fuller house just know that the only thing we're going to do is squeeze in every catchphrase and every person who was ever in the show and we're not going to even try to pretend that we're not doing this so it was so self-aware and meta, you know, they they should have just said, "Be prepared for this. This is what we're doing in the first episode. Then we'll get back to a normal TV show." But because I, I was waiting for the normal TV show to start, I was thrown. I'm like, "Is this really what this is going to be?" They did tw- they did 13 episodes of this, and I was really pissed off. Cause I'm like, "Well, why? What are you doing? Like, who is this for?" You guys sound like you flew to Seattle and came back, and you're ticked off that it rained. 
Like, yeah, I know. What do you expect? What do you expect? It's the exact same creative the team. Reboot of the worst show ever is bad. Is bad. I've watched. Ellie's watched all thirteen probably twice already. Of the new of the Fuller God. House. Uh, maybe not the first episode. I think the first one she won't go back to because she she doesn't like the way that it it was not an actual TV episode anyway. So, you know, and I've watched about half of them with her. Again, it's like the original Full House. Somewhere in there, they have some clever jokes and some likable moments. But then it's surrounded. It's surrounded by badness. Like they put they 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 put this decent hamburger patty inside the worst possible bun you could think of. So you never even want to bite into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because somewhere in there, there might be something worth eating. Best metaphor ever. <laughs> <laughs> but this half pound burger is really juicy and delicious. Let's make the bun out of feces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of what they did. That's kind of what they did. Because the kid, the new kids that are on the show are cute. You know. They do kind of concentrate way too much on every episode is about how the kids look at their phones too much. And the whole thing of they feel like they need to have one old cast member on every episode, like one of the old adults need to show up. They, they're never the, there for the a idiot, good reason. The Canadian one came out of the basement and uh. immediately did a Bullwinkle impression. Oh. A bad Bullwinkle impression. It's like, hey, watch me pull a rabbit out of my head. That was like his entrance. How did you even get through that? I had to get there because Ellie was watching it, but I don't know how you got through it. Then he said, I sure am selling out 10 shows a week in Vegas. That's when they yeah. lost me. That's that was the most unrealistic. Scrambling for the Bellagio was watching a morbidly obese Canadian in a hockey sweater do Bullwinkle and Popeye impressions. Now they all... I want to know how they found Dave Coulier in his cabin in Montana. Like, who knew? He he was so far off the grid. Who was the person that found him in his wool sweater with his giant beard and shotgun? Who found him and cleaned him up to get him ready for the show? Ugh. They cleaned him <laughs> up, but they couldn't get him to, like, take a jog knock, or something. I mean, knock it off. These guys yeah. had at least three months to prepare to be on the show, and both Bob Saget and Dave Coulier look like crap. Maybe Bob really Saget do. almost looks like he's got some kind of medical condition because his voice is different, too. <laughs> Did you notice that? Critically unfunny. Do you, notice, <laughs> do you notice his voice, though? He sounds like a cartoon now. He has a doctor's note. He's got something <laughs> going on. And then Dave Coulier is just, he's. He just come on, guy. I mean, you're going to be on TV Wait. again. Wouldn't you want to I lose some weight? Up. Is he really fat? I ah, you know, but he's you know TV fat. He's TV fat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If Alanis Morissette leaned over to him in a movie theater, she'd have to move some things around to find what she was looking <laughs> for. And now it's time for Am I Normal? That's where the 3D model of the human body we've been keeping in the closet can finally come out. And now it's time for Mister Know It All. Hey, you know what? Before we talk about genitalia, uh, I wanted to make one more uh, Fuller House observation, but not really a Fuller House observation. I noticed in the first beat, Uncle Jesse came out and started doing Elvis stuff, because I guess that's yeah, his jam. Sure. One major, major pop culture shift since we were kids. I feel like Elvis is gone. There's no more Elvis stuff. And when no. we were little, Elvis was as big as the Beatles. And now I feel like the Beatles are still everywhere but there's no such thing as Elvis. Is that an incorrect observation? No, that's pretty accurate. It's interesting. I don't know who gave up on Elvis, but people gave up on Elvis. And I I mean, good. Don't care. But, yeah, like, I don't know where all the Elvis fans went. It just suggests that he was garbage, I guess. You know? Like, he couldn't hack it. He couldn't stand the test of time. Yeah, his music is not sustainable. I have kids in a class yesterday I was talking about this Johnny Cash bit I used to do in shows, and, and one of them said, who's Johnny Cash? And 
even one person feeling comfortable enough in a in a public space to say who's Johnny Cash, that suggests that like there's a lot of important cultural icons <laughs> that are gone. Yeah, it means he's never heard of Johnny Cash before. Yeah. So yeah. in his world, he doesn't exist. Right. I think one of the differences is I feel like when I feel like we always listened to our parents' music when we were younger because we didn't have much of a choice. So we were exposed to a lot of different music. And, we, you know, it was harder for us. When we listened to our music, it wasn't like it was so available. You had to listen to the radio. You had to, like, tune into a radio. Maybe you can get a cassette tape of something you liked, or you could record it off the radio and play it back to yourself. But mostly we probably heard a lot of our parents' music growing up. And I feel like kids, you know, this generation hears their own music earlier and not their own music, but, but more pop current music. And they can choose what music they listen to as early as they want because they have their own device or they can – it's so easily accessible that they're not just forced to listen to what we want to listen to. Sure, sure. You know, but my kids say... hardly ever – my kids only know who the Beatles are because I did make them listen to a lot of Beatles because it was good – you know, when they were little kids, it was great to put on. But a lot of the other stuff they listened to was like for them. It was the They Might Be Giants CDs for kids and mm-hmm. it was the uh, Lori Berkner and the Wiggles and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Uh, and so they had their own music, essentially. You know, they had their own music library, and then I had yeah, my Yeah, even own. our kid music was by John Denver, which wasn't ours. No, <laughs> it's right. true. Outlying, culturally ignorant kids aside, you, we now have enough distance to see what's made the test of time. Like Sinatra, it's not like every 14-year-old that we meet is going to know who Sinatra is, but I think we can all safely say Sinatra has been written in stone at this point. And the yeah. Beatles, definitely written in stone. And Beatles to the extent, and some of the, uh, obviously a lot of this is because parents force it on their kids. Because if I go to the preschool, half the kids are in Beatles t-shirts. Right. Like this Monday morning, half the kids will be in Beatles t-shirts. But the Beatles have definitely stuck around. And Elvis, poof, gone. And well, Elvis to be went fair, everywhere when we were little. To be fair, half the Beatles are still alive and doing concerts everywhere all the time. And uh, Elvis stopped doing concerts in the 70s. You know, keep I guess their, they do have pro- profile better up. monitoring of their estate. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, by them. any monitoring. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. What was that? There was a dance beat remix of conversation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Conversation. And that's the last gasp. And that one Elvis. is still out there. I forget what I just I just heard it very recently on a, not a movie because I know I know it, it became popular again during Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. And then um, is it a TV rough. theme song right now? It's not a TV theme song, but it was on a... I feel like I just heard it. We hear it more often. I, I definitely hear it. So that's like the one Elvis song that's sticking around. I mean, you know, at, at our at our daddy-daughter dance, you heard like saw a couple Elvis songs, but the kids didn't really know who Elvis was. You know, they, they just... Hey, heard... You know what was the one of the other big song at my daddy-daughter dance that was weird? Uh, the first song when I came in was Just the Two of Us, the Will Smith remake of Just the Two of Us. Where he just go, or they sing the chorus of just the two of us, and he goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," and he apologizes for divorcing his first son's mom. It's like, sorry, oh. didn't work out between me and your moms. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> me and your moms. <laughs> just the two of us. Yeah, daddy daughter DJs need to put a little more thought into this song. So you can't just look at a title and go, "Oh, that'll be good." Just the two of us. Or that'll be good. What was, oh gosh, what did they use at ours? Just was, the two of us going yeah. to baseball games every other weekend. Just the two of us. <laughs> Writing your mom a check. Just the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> Hanging out in my one bedroom apartment, eating Chinese food. 
<laughs> two Christmases, me and you. Just the two of us. You and my new girlfriend. This song's for all the divorced dads out there. Grab your daughter and drag her to the dance floor. Right. Just all, guys all you married corner, dads, like, take a break. Turning turning it like facing the corner of the room, sort of wiping their eyes under their glasses. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Will Smith. Like richest guy ever. Singing about how hard it is to be divorced and talk to your kid. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's guys like with empty apartments and like yeah. that that stale 70s bunk bed with the dirty <laughs> sheets. It's very hard to be a single dad with three all pairs. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know how to make this up to you, kid, although I hope this Porsche will help. I'm going to build a house on top of your mom's house, and that's where <laughs> I'll live. Whenever you want to visit, just get in your jet pack and come visit me. All I'm right? sorry. I don't want to intrude. <laughs> So what's going on in your house? What are you exploring? Twice this week, the swimsuit area has come up. I was on the playground at the preschool the other day, and uh, one of Viva's friends came up to me. Somebody got hurt. So all the kids were talking about Like their feelings got blood. hurt? Uh, no, actually, physical injury. Oh, okay. Usually, Usually at the hippie preschool. That's what I wondered, like, yeah. It's yeah. usually because someone's Someone feelings. Micro-aggression. They have to grab the feeling stick and talk about it. You micro-invalidated me. <laughs> I got to get the micro-invalidation stick. One of the kids came up to me and said, uh, you know, when you have a baby, there's a lot of blood. It comes out of your stomach and there's blood everywhere and the doctors have to pull the baby out. And I thought, "Okay, you're talking about a C-section. She said, there's another way a baby can come out, too. I'm not sure where. I think your butt. And then she walked away. And I didn't correct her, obviously, because I don't think you should tell other people's children where the babies come out. It's a safe. Yeah, you probably did the right thing there. Leave it alone. And frankly, you know, thinking that. There's C-sections and some people poop out babies. It's close enough. Yeah, it's all very, it's, it's all kind of in one spot down there. It doesn't really matter. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's not they've up got to you plenty to... of time to figure it out for themselves. It's not up to you to define all the holes down there. It's Look, really even if no one ever told them, even if, <laughs> if they never, even if they went into a coma, somehow were impregnated uh, in a legal way, and then they woke up to giving birth, They'd still know, and they wouldn't be any worse off. Right. At that point, that baby's coming. Nature takes over, right? So, Right. right. Nature finds a way. <laughs> I mean, we don't really have to explain to our kids any of this stuff. They'll figure it out eventually, right? Right. Well, they'll, fi- they'll, they'll learn about it the way we learned about it, through pornography. Through magazines left in the forest preserve. Right, except now at a, <laughs> hey, what's much, this? at a much younger age. Yeah. So have we ever talked on the show about pornography left in forest preserves like on our old show we did wipe that out but did like were there special elves that left burn barrels full of pornography around forest preserves throughout the 70s and 80s i think so because i'd go on cross-country meets and (laughs) there'd just be a nudie mag laying on the like laying in the trail dave how come you came in last (laughs) in the cross-country meet uh no reason (laughs) i twisted my ankle I think New York City is probably the only place that still has a good, healthy uh, obsession with that sort of thing. Oh, with print I, pornography? Probably. It's the last last bastion of print pornography. I just, even that's probably a, yeah, ironic, you know? I was in, like, How a did... 7-Eleven the other day and getting, like, a, a you know, it's a, gassing up at a 7-Eleven gas station. Yeah. And I think I went in and got, like, a, a soda or something. Oh, my God. I, I, I thought this was going to go someplace. No. So I went but, inside and I got a tab, some bubble tape, and a copy of Club. First of all, I, I see the, the the rack of the magazines used to be out in the general area. Like when I was a kid, I remember they just would have like a little 
cover over them, but you could still grab one, you know, or it was in a bag or something. So they're behind the counter, and and it's there's like only six now, and it's so there's just so sad looking. And I just wondered who's going to stand there, surrounded by the people, and go and give me a copy of that. Like going to make a, a you know a seventeen year old girl who's working behind the counter go and get them the magazine off the shelf and give it to them. I just can't understand. I, People who can't work the boot beeps, that's who. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, <laughs> there's no need for that anymore. Did you know uh, Larry Flint sends a sends a copy of Hustler to every member of the Congress? Like, he, he has free subscriptions that go to go to the Congress <laughs> so, every so month. So, like, 350 copies show up there every month. Yeah, and, and there's no, they can't stop it? Sure, no. I mean, I'm sure they go directly into the garbage, but. It's actually the biggest distribution of Hustler magazine left in the country because of that. It is fascinating to watch. I mean, what Playboy had Playboy had its first not nude or whatever episode. Nude was, episode. Is it completely nude free or just centerfold free? Or uh, I don't know. I, I, I didn't look, Todd. Come Does on. that mean they're going to get back to high quality magazine essays? Because that's uh, a big leap. Like, I understand a, why they're dropping the nudity, nudity because nobody cares, but does that mean they're going to have Gay Talese interviewing Frank Sinatra again? Is that where we're going with this? Is it going to be the new Vanity Fair? Well, uh, they have everyone's favorite or everyone's least favorite actor, the guy who goes to 15 Ivy League schools or pretends to at least. Uh, he does a monthly column. Um, who, James Franco? James Franco? Yeah, James Franco has a monthly column now. Because, you know, he's, a, he's who you trust. So uh, other than that, I don't know. <laughs> I think they're probably going to get back to smarter essays. Yeah. So where's where's Viva on the scale of of Hustler versus no uh, Cherry of versus where, of where the babies come from? Does well, she think they come out of your stomach? Do they think they come out of your butt? After leaving the playground, where the girl told me that they come out of your butt, we went to a pizza place, and she said she had to go potty. So I took her <laughs> into the bathroom and I put, put her on the toilet in the stall and yeah. thought, oh, I also have to go potty. So I'm going to go use that urinal really quickly before she's done on the toilet. So I closed the door to the stall, went over to the urinal, and then immediately she was standing behind me fully clothed. Like she was one of those angel statues from Doctor Who. (laughs) (laughs) Right behind me. And I I have no idea how she got her pants up that fast, how she climbed off the the potty that fast. But there she was. And she says, Daddy, there's no way she wiped. There's no way she wiped. (laughs) She says, Daddy, I want to watch you pee. Oh, and I said, no, sweetie, I need a little privacy here. And I started a body blocker like I was yeah. turning my back. Yeah, right. As she's she's jockeying for position to try and see my genitals. And I'm like moving, you know, back and forth, try to block her. I said, no, sweetie, this is this is private. And then she said in the most mature, measured tone I've ever heard out of her. She said, Daddy, I'm very curious about penises because I've never seen one. So I want to look at yours. Oh, boy. What? I'm very You're curious. You're at a crossroads there. Like, what do you do? do you, uh, you could, you, you, well, I, well, you I don't, like, turn around and go, well, here it is. <laughs> All right. But, I mean, I'm well, saying, how do you address it? That was a very mature statement, so I guess there's nothing I can do. I guess yeah. i got to turn around, right? <laughs> well, yeah. No. Well, and that's what, Dave, you'd probably agree. That's what's weird about four-year-olds is occasionally they seem so together, you figure you're done raising them. It's very true. It's like it, they're, they're like teenagers in that way where they mm-hmm. can say, wow, this person sounds like they could run, you know, a well, Fortune 500 company. And then they break down crying because someone didn't text them back. Right. Well, they're right. Very... One second later, they're crying and on the ground because 
you gave <laughs> the wrong flavor cheese it you know but a minute yes. before you're like well my my work here is done <laughs> it's because four-year-olds four are so honest you know so it makes that's what that's where that comes from they just they're so honest. right sounds like confidence and it's not in hindsight i i you know if if I if I were in your situation, I'd probably would say, well, we'll find a we'll find a book to help us learn about this, or we'll. I certainly wouldn't say we'll find it on the internet because that's that's not going to be a good Google search. <laughs> but no. there's got to be a children's book about anatomy, like geared towards geared towards that four to six year old range, that helps explain it without you having to <laughs> put a laser pointer on your junk to say, well, this is where <laughs> you know things travel up to vas deference. So. <laughs> By the way, that's 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 your wife's job, right? Like, doesn't that? But see, it, pass it's that not because her? she's curious about the penis. She's not going to want to talk to mom about penis. Well, who cares? I don't care what she wants. I'm just saying. <laughs> I completely agree with you, Dave. That that should be my wife's job, but my wife does not agree. Like, she doesn't. If we're the three of us are shopping and it's potty time, I'm like, well, if the wife is there and you have a daughter. Mostly because of the same-sex bathroom thing. You don't want to, right. You do not want to. You don't like taking a girl into a men's room because you don't know right, what. Because it's going to be messier, and because there's going to be guys standing around peeing. Yes, and they're going to be right. And, and the seats are going to be filthy, and you just right. You don't want to take a girl into that place unless it's an absolute like emergency. Yes. So yeah, if there's an option, the girl goes with the girls, the boys go with the boys because they could pee anywhere. They could pee no, look, if my kids are with my wife and me, and if they have to go to the restroom, they go with my wife. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if they have to both go, I will offer. But, yeah, there's no question. There's no question that it's the best option, best option for, you know, everyone involved, including myself. Yeah, my wife thinks it should be egalitarian. And uh, mm. I, I'd let that be because that's not like a hill to die on. But, yeah. but I agree. So with the sex ed thing and i'm definitely talking to viva like and i I think i said that well first of all she totally got a glimpse of my package because she i couldn't keep dodging her so she got to see that show otherwise the walls Uh, would get very messy right (laughs) whoa 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 why why have you destroyed our restroom well (laughs) i had to run around the room peeing on the wall (laughs) so my daughter couldn't see my penis Uh, we're gonna have to ask you to leave sir and you're gonna leave your daughter here please yeah (laughs) PCFS is on its way. Well, I mean, you know, if it comes up again, I said we can, you know, I can show you pictures and we can talk about it when we get home. And then it didn't come up again. Sure. And I've definitely told her that babies come out of vaginas because I think she was asking me. So she's she knows she knows how the babies come out. I don't think she's we've really talked about how the babies get in there. And she asks that about 10 times a day. It's how do babies, why are babies in tummies? And I say they grow there, and then I walk away really fast. It's funny how, like, at four years old, we're willing to tell kids where babies come from, like, like, grab, like pretty plainly, they, they come out of vaginas and this, but we don't want to tell them about, you know, Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny until they're like 14. You know, we try That's to, we fun. try to, we try to push that myth as long as we can, but we give up on, on, on the more, and, yeah, and I think that, you know, judging by my education of the past, which is largely from 1930s and 40s cartoons, the stork, yeah, the stork. Santa Claus, and Jesus were all on the same level at at one point. <laughs> like like the Beatles, Elvis, and Frank Sinatra. And like Elvis, the stork has fallen off the mythological mm-hmm. totem pole. Well, there's a movie. I think it's a Pixar movie coming out about storks delivering babies. Now, there was a little short about clouds and storks and babies right yeah there's a there's a short but now there's a full-length movie called storks 
I don't know if it's called Storks. You've got Larry the Cable Guy as a hilarious hillbilly stork that messes up, brings the wrong babies to the wrong houses. John Ratzenberger works in is a, is a, <laughs> a stork that you only see at the the very end. It's a oh, it is called Storks. me that uh, babies come from uh, storks. It is called Storks, and Andy Samberg is in it, and Nicolas Cage, and Kelsey Grammer. And it comes. Storks, Niles. It, it's coming out uh, September of 2016. It's Warner Brothers. It's not a uh, Pixar. Oh, Sorry weird. about that. You're still a Warner Brothers? Keegan Michael Key and Jordan Peele are in it. Kate Winslet. Michael Jordan is also in it. It's Stork Jam. Stork Jam. So, anyway, uh, you could really confuse your daughter when you take her to go see Storks in the fall. After you've already explained to her where babies come from, and then you're going to take her to a movie that shows you where babies do not come from. <laughs> well, it's better than uh, Pixar's initial pitch, which was for an animated movie called Vaginas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess if you want to think of, make a movie for kids about where babies come from, and you're going back, and the pitch meeting is going back and forth between storks and vaginas, you're going to go with storks. <laughs> Especially when you try to, like, you know, well, who's going to be the voice of the vagina? It couldn't be any more misguided than. Inside Out. You had a problem with Inside Out because I liked it. I didn't know who it was for. I think they tried to make it for everybody because they, you know, cute cartoony characters, and then you know they wanted the their their audience was growing up a little bit too. In that, a lot of the kids who were obsessed with Pixar movies, like my kids when they were young, young, you know, Alex is thirteen now, and so I think they wanted something for them also, which I think it appeals to in the adolescent, you know, and then the main characters is twelve or thirteen. I think she's twelve. I mean, they always appeal to parents because they make you cry. At some point that's in the not, movie. But that's not but well, they appealing, get you, they... That's not appealing to parents. <laughs> I can't wait to go and cry this next I Pixar wanted to movie. kill myself the entire movie. Really? Oh my god. <sighs> Just watching watching her all struggle. Of the different, yeah, the the crumbling of the different communities in her mind. Yeah. And well, rewatch the, it when your daughters are twelve and then you'll then you will kill yourself. God, the suicide of her stuffed animal. Oh. He kills himself. <laughs> I don't, you know, he does it for her, but he still murders himself <laughs> so she can be free. All right. Can we j- at least be least agree on that, that there's suicide happening in this movie? Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes to grow up, you have to let childhood things go. You have to let them kill themselves in a in an endless pit of despair. <laughs> Hey, folks, you already shop on Amazon. You can put those dollars to work keeping this show on the air, and you can do it by using the Amazon portal on the support page at paternitypodcast.com. Here's what you do when you want to buy something on Amazon. Go to paternitypodcast.com, look at the support page, and there you'll find an Amazon logo, and when you click on it, you will be in the Amazon and just buy what you were going to buy. You don't sign up for anything. You don't pay extra. You don't create a password. You just go to your Amazon, go to your Prime, buy your stuff, Amazon knows you came through the portal. It's the magic of the Internet. They send us some of their profits, and we use it to keep this show on the air. This is the part of the show where we talk about products that we enjoy. And sometimes we actually buy them on Amazon, and sometimes we're stretching the truth. But here is a product I wanted to talk about. It is not yet made. There's a Kickstarter online right now for a beverage holder. It's actually a booze hider that is a fake baby in a Bjorn, like in a front pack, and you hide booze inside the baby. It's very realistic looking, and then you drink out of a straw that's coming out of the back of its head. Yes, finally. I love it. I, I see one major flaw. The baby should be facing the other way so you don't have to see, because even though the face is pretty realistic looking, I think you tell that it was a doll. 
but the back of a baby's head, like they do in all the movies when they're all holding fake babies, you only see the back of the baby's head. I think this should be a front-facing, or oh, a, re- yeah. a rear-facing baby in the Bjorn. Then that way, Wait. all you need is the arms and the back of the head. It's facing the front? Yeah, the baby's that's facing like, out. Yeah, that's... You're putting, you're, you're putting a lot of risk into this. Yeah. Like, like, just turn it around. Turn it around, drink yeah. out of the head. But it's pretty genius, and it's a lot better than the pregnant belly, the fat belly, the... You know, some of the other things the, that they've come up with, like the bladder that you wrap around your waist. Yeah, or like around your leg or something, because that all makes is going to make your drink warm. Whereas this seems like the, the body of the baby actually insulates it for you and keeps it cold if it's a cold beverage or hot if it's a hot beverage. It's kind of disgusting that you're drinking out of the body cavity of your child. What I love is that during the... Not really your child. On the, <laughs> <laughs> on the photos of, of how it all comes apart, there's a photo... Of like all the pieces, including the baby head, separated from the body and like nowhere near the body, so it's very dark, troubling. Yeah, yeah, it looks like <laughs> one of those anti-abortion protest ads. Like when you're you got your kid in the car and you drive by an abortion protest and you're like, uh, how do I shield my kid's eyes because things are going to get I'm really have to crash really the fast. car. It's going right. to drive into this embankment to avoid these <laughs> pro-lifers. <laughs> Everybody out of the car, get needed. on your knees. I'm going to have to kill you all execution stocks. I don't want to see what you're about to see. Yeah. The, I haven't seen those as much around here, but there was a time a few years ago when they were all over the place around here. They love overpasses because it's hard. It's so hard to avoid. You know, there's no avoiding them. You can't because you're on a highway. You can't turn left. You can say, well, I'll turn up the next light because you're on a highway and there's no exit. So they find an overpass where you're you're a captured audience. Sorry, I was just looking at the picture of this thing. Yeah, uh, did you see the picture? Did you scroll down and see oh, the picture sucks. of the of the uh, headless baby? Yeah, that's creepy. Why <laughs> do they have to do it that way? There's a little apology, too, because they don't have enough R&D right now to make anything but one Caucasian baby. And they're like, we promise once this is funded, we'll make different like races and shapes of babies. Yeah. No, that exactly. Yeah, it looks like an ice. So the only thing. risk you run, really, is of old ladies trying to touch your baby's face. Like they always <laughs> did to you, Dave, when you had kids. Mm-hmm. When you had yeah. kids, before you got rid of your kids, uh, when you had <laughs> babies, and, and then figuring it out and being being appalled. So that your main enemy when wearing this baby booze holder is old ladies. Uh, and their horror when they feel my child's cold face. <laughs> <laughs> and lifeless body. Sounds like it's just made of sauce. <laughs> How much does it hold? That's the real question, right? I mean, does it hold? It's it looks not like a good leader. I don't know. It doesn't say. 36 ounce. Oh, there we go. 36 ounces. That's three beers. Three beers. That's, that's a good that's start. Because probably you're probably going to put in hard liquor. So that's a ton. Oh, yeah. God. Or if, you know, for sharing, they should make this, you know, like like you put a bag of wine in it and the spout, it comes out the baby's butt and you could just stick a little wine glass under it and... <laughs> And toggle the, you know, open it up and get a nice uh, Pinot Noir. <laughs> this is and then what you can I explain to see. your older children how wine is made. <laughs> <laughs> right. I want it to come out of the baby's mouth. I want it to just drool when you're doing body shots off the baby's chin. <laughs> oh, God. If you like the paternity test, please help us tell other people about it. Subscribe on iTunes or however you get your podcasts and leave us a review. It's quick and easy and helps other listeners find us.
Read our weekly paternity test blog at chicagoparent.com and our monthly column, Viva Daddy, in Chicago Parent Magazine, as well as Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, and Bronx, Riverdale Family Magazines. Whether it's fake answers to real questions or serious answers to fake questions, we promise very little helpful advice will be given. And now it's time for Planes to Catch and Bills to Pay. That's where we watch our children grow up without us. Hey, everybody. So I have been very busy at work. Hi, Dave. Hey, man. Um, is that a delay? Or no, it was just me being <laughs> Oh, God. Wow. So uh, I've been very busy at work. Hi, Dave. <laughs> How's hey, work? Guys, um, <laughs> did you guys see that baby head that's not attached to the body on that Amazon app? Hello, and welcome to episode 33 of the Paternity. <laughs> oh, wait, sorry. All right, Dave, what's going on? I've been working long hours at school. I'm assistant directing the spring musical. We're doing Titanic. It's a big year at our school. Cause we Dave, it's more professional if you say musical. Musical. Oh, we're, the spring musical <laughs> is Titanic. And so I've been putting in... Ship of Dreams. Ship of Dreams. You know what the thing about, the thing about Titanic is? Titanic is like that movie that came out about 12 years ago called The Perfect Storm. Do you guys remember that movie? Mm-hmm. Where it's about... Is that George Clooney and Mark Wahlberg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. John C. Riley's in it. Diane Lane. And with the the grossest Boston accent I've ever heard, like you know how like some accents just make it takes a lot to make her unattractive. I think she's one of the most beautiful women ever, but she is truly like I can hardly look at her with that nasty. I don't know how people in Boston have sex. <laughs> must, I hope it's in silence. <laughs> it is. I mean. The most unattractive accent. The most unattractive accent. I don't understand how our country got started. I don't understand how the Tea Party, how the Boston Tea Party happened with everyone talking to each other. Like, how they didn't just, out of disgust, just set the tea on the dock and walk home and not talk to anybody. Because it's such an ugly accent. Anyway, it's going to go over real well with our viewers in the Northeast. So, uh, and uh, around here, by the way. Because you know all those two accent guys. Well, you know, they, they talk they talk normal during the week, and then on the weekend they go back to something. They're dropping their ass. <laughs> yeah, I think we fell in love with it, right? Like we fell in love with it for like uh, ten years around the time of the Departed, you know. And then you've got Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are from there. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I think people fell in love with it for a while until it's just gross. Anyway, that film is a true story about a ship that is sunk by two huge storms because the captain was too dumb to not avoid two storms with uh, 21st century technology and titanic is sort of the same thing like you don't know what happened to them like you don't know what happened to these guys on that boat you've no idea right like they could have been writing a musical they could have been they have no idea what they were doing uh they were just a bunch of guys who died in the ship but but that's kind of what happens with titanic it's hard you don't really get delve into anyone's life or relationships but um i've been gone a lot and i haven't seen my kids at all like to where because i usually get up and i'm out the door by the time but before they get up and then i don't make it home because i don't have a chance to drive home and throw up in the air and then i will get home at you know eight o'clock at night so i'm doing these 13 hour days and it sucks because I miss my kids, but the payoff uh, is awesome because when you get home, you're a hero. Like the 
prodigal son. Like it's there's a uh, price to pay for that, and that's the, like the anger of your spouse who's like, you know, put in all the hard work all day taking care of the kids. Because I've I've had this happen too. Because I've multiple weeks or like when I had to travel, and the kids love it when you're home, and you you know there's a little bit of uh, resentment that you you're the hero for being <laughs> being an absentee <laughs> parent. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. A little bit of resentment. <laughs> my wife, my... You feel a cold steel slip between your ribs. <laughs> <laughs> feel the muscle grab onto it. <laughs> they try to pull it out. Instead, they just break it off. Um, but it's a great feeling if you're the one who's been gone. Yeah. It's a great feeling because they, I, they went up, they kissed me. They're four years old and they don't, they're like 12 year olds. Like they don't like to show a, uh, they don't like to, to give me a kiss anymore for some reason. I probably because I'm hideous, but they, <laughs> they were walking up to me and like giving me kisses on the cheek. And this morning, Nick uh, went out to walk the dog before they woke up, they woke up and they both came in and like got under the covers and snuggled up next to me. Mm-hmm. And it's this weird trade off because I feel terrible when I'm away from them. And then, but yeah, it's pretty great right now. So we're going to get to, after we do this, we're going to get to hang out all day and they're going to throw me up in the air and carry me around the house. And <laughs> we love talk. daddy. We love daddy. <laughs> my wife's going to parade you around the house. Do la- Yeah. Yeah. Up. While my wife's doing laundry and uh, <laughs> writing a grocery list and doing the real job. Yeah. And it's been pretty great. We went yesterday to, have you guys done the pottery, the make your own pottery? I did it on Mother's Day with my mother and grandmother. That must have been awkward when you had to, like, stand behind them and wrap your arms around them and help them sculpt the clay pot. Yeah, it got weird in a hurry when the uh, the, uh, (laughs) Righteous Brothers song started playing. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And that was many years ago, but it was You didn't realize it was a couple's pottery-making class that you signed up for? (laughs) You show up with you, (laughs) your mom, and your grandma? Got very Why is everybody else here naked and covered in clay? (laughs) (laughs) No. I don't think we were in the same type of pottery class. This was not a class. This is where you go up and you pay 20 yeah. bucks for a cheap piece of pottery that you then get to paint with your children. So it's already pottered or whatever they call yeah, it. Yeah, that's what that's what we did. It wasn't a pottery you, making class. It was a pottery it. painting. Sure. Right. Jamboree. Yeah, I'd yeah. rather make yes. it than paint it. I'm a terrible painter, but. Well, you're, are you better at firing up the kiln? I'm pretty bad at, well, no, I'm pretty bad at sculpting too, but. At least I get my hands on. I don't know. I I feel like I'd rather get my hands dirty and like play with clay, yeah. than uh, for, be forced to do something that I'm terrible at. I have no skill at, and I, at the end I feel bad because everyone's so much better than my me. I like the idea that you think you're good enough at messing around with clay that that's acceptable and and not. I have this image of everybody else like painting delicate filigree on their pottery with fine brushes, and then Todd rolls up a cart with this. Hand blob print. of clay on it. It looks like Lionel Richie. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I feel like sculpting, you could say it's, well, I can express myself however I want. But painting, you can be a pretty bad painter. And you, you go, even if you say, this is how I wanted to paint it, they go, well, that's pretty bad. But well, I, don't know. I think it's a catch-22 because you do something and you're bad at it. And they fire it up and they give it to you. You have this glazed, crappy-looking piece of pottery. If you do a great job you've just bought a crappy piece of pottery that's very pretty. So no, you don't, you know what I mean? Like you could yeah. have gone out and bought something better for less or at least better. So there, there's no winning at going here except for the, the magical 45 yeah. minutes that you spend with your child as they paint a piece of glass. Uh, and they, 
loved it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's, it's going to be a great I, slide at your at your funeral. Yeah, if we had taken pictures. <laughs> no, I have no memory of this. You have any pictures of your children? I'd hope that at least your wife takes pictures of your children. But you seem I, to have no pictures of your children. I, you know what? I we do take a we actually do take a lot of pictures uh, of our kids. My wife is always taking pictures. She has an Instagram account. She, you know what I mean. So she's always throughout the day taking pictures of her children. I kind of refuse to be in pictures, so I'm never. Like, there's no proof of life, you know what I mean, <laughs> of me. And so, like, if I disappear, my wife's going to have a hard time proving my existence. Yeah. Right. It's going to be an internet theory floated someday after your death that you never existed, that you were just like, <laughs> did on a podcast. I heard, you know, I heard an interesting theory yesterday, and I'd never heard this before, and it makes complete sense to me. Um, and, you know, it's true or it's not true. It's probably not. But the theory that Reagan wasn't shot. It's just gas. No, that he had a heart. That he had a heart attack. That he had a had a heart attack from the attempted shooting. Right. So if you think about it, Brady gets shot. Everyone jumps on top of Reagan. They 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 race him over to the hospital. You know, they take him to the hospital. They don't know he's shot. And if you listen to everyone talk about it, like all the Secret Service and all the you know Tip O'Neill and everything, like no one knew he was shot until they got to the hospital. But when they get to the hospital, before they realize he's shot, he collapses in the lobby of the hospital. And so you're faced with a guy that's been in office for two months. No, a month, actually. Well, two months. And all of a sudden, okay, what's the story going to be? Is it going to be that we've got the oldest president ever and he just had a heart attack? (laughs) Or is it going to be that? You know what? William out, Henry Harrison, too, on our hands. Right. Or it turns out he took a bullet. He's got the body of a 50-year-old. Right? And so they went with the latter. The most unnecessary conspiracy theory I've ever heard. It could be true. <laughs> but it just doesn't no, do but anything. Think, but I know he told, he yelled at the Secret Service guy who jumped on him in the limo and shot. said, I think, you, I think you broke my rib. Oh. So until they get the oh. hospital stuff that he got... Had a broken rib and maybe a puncture from the Secret Service guy throwing himself on him, and then they said, "No, no, no, you've been shot." Maybe one of the bullets. Maybe he leaned on him and pushed a bullet into his body when he leaned when the Secret Service guy leaned on him in the. Um. So, but you know what? If it had just been a heart attack, Jodie Foster would have never noticed that guy and married him. Oh my God! Yeah, they never would have gotten together. Yeah, and their kids all look like Jodie Foster. Lee Harvey Chapman. What's his name? <laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald? It's not Lee Harvey Oswald. It's not Mark David Chapman. It's, <laughs> it's Neil Patrick Chapman. <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris shot <laughs> Reagan to get Jodie Foster's attention, but he missed. But Reagan really appreciated his work on Doogie Hauser from 20 years later. John so he Chapman. pretended to have been shot. Mm, I don't know the guy's name. No Hinkley. Idea. John Hinkley Jr. John David Hinkley. John Michael Hinckley. I couldn't. Wayne, I couldn't think of it till I started singing songs from Assassins. So Michael Wayne J. Hinckley. Hinckley. <laughs> My, <laughs> yeah, that's what's weird. He didn't have a middle name. They all have all all you know the whole. If Reagan had died, it would have been necessary to use his middle name. Oh. He screwed it up. So yeah, right. It's like well, uh, also his middle name is Warnock, John Warnock Hinckley Jr. Yeah, you don't you don't want that floating around. So I think they just went with John Hinckley Jr. That gave it the three name. That gave it. The... Who's the guy? Who's the gal that took a shot at uh, Ford? Squeaky, Squeaky Frome. Yeah, 
yeah, squeaky Diane Frome or whatever. You know, like you only have two there. Why two? It's a guy thing. Oh, yeah. Sexist. Social media isn't just for roping your friends in your latest pyramid scheme. It's also for us. Like our page on Facebook, share our posts, and follow us on Pinterest, on Instagram at The Paternity Test, and on Twitter at The Dad Test. I uh, did another Facebook purge this weekend. Yeah. I didn't uh, unfriend. I just unfollow where you're still friends, but you don't have to see their stupidity anymore. Garbage. And my rubric was two <laughs> two kinds of people got, got cut. Um, people in pyramid schemes, like people using their Facebook to sell me Arbon and stuff, <laughs> right? Yeah. Pe- people leveraging my friendship for money for themselves. And people who put posts about how all the candidates suck. Because I'm like, if you can't tell the difference between evil and not evil in this particular election, I don't care if you're right or left. But if you think all of these candidates are equally evil, I don't need to see your posts on my wall. Huge purge. <laughs> There's almost no one left <laughs> on my Facebook. It is, you it's, guys had a particularly pointed texting back and forth last night. On the, I don't know where that came from. That was like a... Yeah, Ty got political last night on the SMS. Oh, well, just because yeah. I, I thought it was funny that, that Donald... You, did you see the pictures, Dave, of Donald Trump making his followers do a pledge so they all put their oh those brilliant they all put their right hand up in the air pointing like, <laughs> and uh and yeah so it was like jesus it, it looked like a sea kyle yeah, yeah. absolutely uh, it's interesting he said the other day and this didn't get any i and it, i'm just it was a quote and i don't know what the context was but he said our current president is the worst president who happens to be african-american like it was a, an extremely thin veil over yeah, right. the, the the blatant racism but it didn't get any press. And what you were talking about last night was how what a horrible, horrible job our press does. And, you know, to be fair, to be fair, they've been crappy for a long time. <laughs> yeah, this is they nothing have been new. crappy this year. Yeah, yeah, it's nothing new with Bush. They were horrible. And now they're horrible again. It's like, for example, I was looking up. I was like, OK, uh, I wanted to look up a delegate count and I want to see how far behind Cruz is. And I put in delegate count so far or something. And New York Times popped up. I was like, oh, all right. Well, that's better than yeah, that's a great lady. Of, yeah, that's what I was kind of hoping for, you know. Sure, the nation's most trusted source in news. Right. Here the the, the, the paper of record, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So and I pull it up. Uh it's from 2012. Um so <laughs> they haven't updated that. And I and so I end up going to this thing called the green pages which is it's no one knows, right, which is ridiculously obscure, and finding it. But it's like Cruz is not that far behind. Right, because it's not about you don't win, even though all the outlets are reporting how many states people are winning in the primaries, you don't win states in primaries. No, oh, only the, on, most of you dividing few. up the delegates, yeah. Right. These are very, like Florida, uh, you, it's all or nothing. But it's just a lot of irresponsible reporting and i know they feel like you know the they had someone in the, in the times talking on npr which is just like speaking to the choir but they're talking about how their hands are tied you know they you know they try to present things without commentary well <laughs> i guess i mean that when the right side of your above the fold page front page is all opinion let's just call a spade a spade yeah i don't know and it's don't pretty, don't uh, don't avoid trying to investigate and tell the truth because sometimes the truth leans left or leans right right you know you're like oh geez i guess if we told if we called out these guys on their 
we'd seem like Democrats. Well, if if this cycle, the coming from the Republicans, call them out. That's your job. Yeah. You shouldn't worry about whether or not you're perceived as biased. You should dig up the truth, whether you like it or not, and whether it whether it supports your guys or not. And right. and sometimes that's going to look like you're in the tank for the left. Sometimes it's going to look like you're in the tank for the right. But your job is to find stuff out for us because we can't all do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Or you could just run press releases about Trump's penis. You know, whichever. Right. Which was in the press release thing, to your point last night, was that, yeah, it's just a press release machine. It's just whatever we want, whatever you want to have us report, just say it and we'll we'll quote what you you. said so other people can hear it. Yeah, you're not giving anything other than, you know, playback. That's it. If you want us to repeat anything, send us a question or a comment for the Paternity Test Mailbag. Just email us at paternitypodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at our phone number, 657-BAD-DADS. Okay, now it's time for the boop bop beat. That's where we find the true love we'll never know in the cold, cold arms of electronics. So uh, before I get to my main my main thing I want to talk about today, I, there's a small boop beep development here and that Alex has gotten, I don't want to say banned but he's uh, oh. he had us punishments we had the xbox taken away from him during the week he can only play it on on the weekend right now because he's got you know he's he's a seventh grader right he's seventh grader i remember what i was, I was like is i was a good kid in seventh grade but i was still <laughs> like i was still a typical seventh grader i still made terrible choices sometimes sure but you know and, and i was one of the good kids i can't imagine having and alex is a good kid so i can't imagine what it's like having a less good kid because they must get in trouble all the time because even the ones who make good choices still screw up every once in a while as a seventh grader. Well, it's because you your, your brain only does one thing, and that's rebel. Yeah. From, like, age 10 to 30, yeah. all you want to do is stick it to the man. So if you've got a good kid, this, their stick it to the man is, like, create a yearbook layout that the sponsor thought was yeah. aesthetically displeasing. <laughs> and if they're bad, they want drugs. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good example. Uh, well, Alex is definitely more towards the yearbook side of that spectrum, in that you know he got he got in trouble for too much talking in band. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> rebel, rebel. Yeah. So you know he's. Uh, uh, I guess his section. There's four French horns in the band, and I guess they're. Oh, all, I love it that it's French horn. They're all like a little the most talkative. difficult instrument, like the instrument with the most serious players. Well, and that's the thing. I wasn't sure what's going. Like, are they bored? Are they like? Is there a lot of maybe? There's a lot of downtime in the class, so they just start chattering because you know when you're when you're they're too far ahead of things because all the French horn players, like all the double reeds and all the French horn players, are going to be good musicians who are serious about what they do. But there's some drummer, and let's face it, it's a drummer who's being a in the back of the room mm-hmm. and while the band director yeah writes them up the french horns are talking or they need to pay you know yeah they, they need the band director might have to spend 15 minutes trying to get the clarinets to all play the same note without squeaking, right trying to get the third know. chair trumpets to to <laughs> be in tune and the french horns are like so over it yeah so i guess it's been a little bit so of a distraction com- comparing notes about you know when they're going to interlock in this summer yeah, <laughs> it's so to anybody who get to the point where they she sent an email home saying, you know, we just want he's not in trouble in class or anything. He didn't like he got a detention or sent to the, but they said we want to address it now before it becomes a problem. And uh, and there was a second thing at school that's more like academic. It's not there's one grade that's slipping a little bit lower than we like. You know, it's uh, I don't expect straight A's out of my kids, but I'm not, you know, but I, I, I don't think I think they could not even try and get B's. Most kids can in school. 
I mean, you know, I would think as long as it, at this grade, they're they're not doing ten page papers. Elementary school and middle school, you could sh- you should be able to get by without a, having a ton of effort, as far as I'm concerned, because they're just teaching you like pretty basic stuff. High school, I could see, yeah, you might have to really work hard to get your A's and B's, you know, depending on what what classes you're in. But even some of those, I don't know, just show up and you're going to get a decent grade. <laughs> I mean, C is definitely a participation medal. Yeah. I would say even B minus is a is a participation medal. Yeah. Except for I think maybe some advanced things in in high school. There's some so going to be some college prep, maths and sciences that are going to get you. And if you're a terrible writer, then maybe the English is get you, depending on how your brain works. Yeah. So he, had, he I would think largely show up in junior high and yeah. So he had a, he had a grade that slipped into a slipped into a, a high, you know a C, a high C, a high C. Yeah. So um, but the problem it is so wonderfully wonderfully. Here's here's one of the problems with the with what has changed in schools now is that they don't grade as much because uh, there's different thoughts on this. Some some are like, well, you can't just grade it. if a kid does bad on a test, you can't say like that's their grade. You have to say, well, you didn't. They didn't learn it, so they haven't. You haven't taught them yet. You know what I mean? Like just because it was taught doesn't mean it's been learned. And so, may, if, if if a large chunk of the class does poorly on something, it means maybe you need to revisit it, and not just everyone gets a C and you move on. And, and now the other thought is that kids have too many graded things, and so they wait and wait and wait, and then you just get one assessment. You know at the end of the lesson, but they do lots of things along the way that don't count. They take tests, they do homework that, that's checked and graded, but it doesn't count towards their grade because mm. if they do poorly on those, they, they're still learning it. And so their final assessment is, is oh, the grade sure. that counts. But if you do bad... I'm a huge proponent of everything being pass-fail, set the bar for pass high, and that's it. Because yeah, grades I, are too gameable and too meaningless. Yeah, and... and I don't disagree with that, actually. Like you they either said. learn it or they don't. Yeah. Maybe they learn it well. Maybe they learn it half-assedly. But you decide what the minimum amount of learned is, and everybody's got to get over that bar. <laughs> <laughs> so in this particular class, there's not a lot of grades that count towards the grade. And so it's, the problem is he had a couple – he had, like, two not-great assessments where that put him in that C range. And when you go back and look at it, because you could look at every grade now as soon as it's input – you know, there's no waiting for the report card anymore like, you know, like it used to be. You could see every grade as it's put into the grade book every day if you want to. So in this particular class, like they it goes right had... to your parents' heads-up display. So you see it in a contact lens floating yeah. in front of your desk at work. Yeah. So <laughs> Great. Assessed. Alex has a C. So there's just not a lot of, even though he had a, so he had a couple that put him into a C, and there's not a lot of opportunity to fix that because not, Everything he's doing now is it doesn't really count towards his grade till he takes the next big assessment. But in the meantime, he never has homework. And I think he works very hard to not have homework by trying to do it at every free moment he has when he's not home, meaning like on the bus or in his study hall or in his uh, like lunch period after he's done eating so that when he comes home, he can play Xbox because then all his friends are on Xbox when he gets home. All his 45-year-old men friends in other states are on Xbox when he gets home. <laughs> yes. So we 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 said, look, we t- we got to see this grade come up. We got to see the behavior improve and ban. So no more Xbox during the week for now. Uh, you know, focus on school, and you could do it on the weekends. So I don't think I think that's fair, right? For a while, I was also like, I, for for like two days, I disabled every app on his phone so he could only use the phone for calling and texting. Yeah, because that was a huge loophole. Like you have a six hundred dollar computer in your phone that plays like Madden twenty sixteen on it. So why is you know why is taking the Xbox away a punishment? Right. If you could just get on your phone for three hours and play a video game. 
Right. Bring that homework home that you're doing at school. Bring it home and let's look over it That's what I said. Like, you know, do the homework at home and you'll take, you know, take the time to comprehend it. Yeah, you almost can't punish me in this stage of my life unless you take away my phone. Like, if you put me in jail without my phone, I would be really upset. But if I were in a car accident and pinned <laughs> under my vehicle for, like, a day, but I had my phone, I'd be like, this is so peaceful. <laughs> yeah, I get my dopamine injections from looking things up on my phone, yeah. and I'll just lay here and quietly bleed out. As long as you could post it on the gram, you're okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Crushed by my car selfie. <laughs> <laughs> you had a friend that put a coma selfie up. <laughs> yes, I did. Got a coma. Someone on my Facebook wall that had a life support selfie. <laughs> life support selfie, yeah, on life support. But she's taking her own picture. That's oh, that's the best. But see, she had her phone, so she was happy. She yep. was able is, to. Is this cope. ventilator that make me look fat? <laughs> anyway, but she had her phone, so so the tree was happy. The tree was happy. But I think I'm backing off on disabling all the apps on his phone for now. But I, I did tell him, you know, I expect you to self-monitor this a little bit. Otherwise, I will do it again, you know. All these, all these things are with a hammer. privileges. Yeah. The next step is you, you watch me destroy your phone with a hammer in front of you. <laughs> or I make you do it yourself. I give you the hammer and say, no, hit it. Hit the phone. <laughs> oh, That'd be so mean. God. That's like when he was younger and I made him kill his imaginary friend. That's right. Or, yeah, made him bury Get an imaginary mind. shovel. <laughs> so instead of taking away his imagination, I'm taking away his electronics now. But There you uh, go. So then, do you the, think it'll work or do you think it'll cause a, a, like a shame spiral? That's what I'm worried about. So this is, he's never been in trouble, really. So we're, we're taking it pretty easy on him with this. And, and I just say, look, I, we've got to see improvement or or we will be more, you know, we'll have to be more, you know, restrictive on what you can do. So it's it's a very mild punishment, I think, right now. He could handle it. On the opposite end of the spectrum, there's me who wants to play more video games. I realize that playing video games by myself is fun, but it's actually, you know, I, I've played with one of our listeners actually as we've connected on Xbox and we've played like Star Wars Battlefront together. And it's always fun because, you know, you have someone, you're, you're talking on the headset, you're chatting, you're making fun of the game, you're making fun of the other people in the game. And it's, you know, just kind of, it's, it's fun. It's a social thing then. It's, you don't feel like you're just in the dark by yourself playing a video game and wasting your life away. You know, it says you're having an actual social interaction. Wasting life with a friend. Yeah. But, you know, so listen to Jared, who's uh, actually, I would say my, you know, I'd call him a friend now because we've actually, even though we've never actually met in person, we've, we interact and we talk and. He's actually reverse catfishing you. Yeah. Is that right? He acts like he's another middle-aged guy from the Midwest, but in fact, he's a gorgeous 20-year-old woman. Oh, well, I can't wait to play uh, Battlefront with her again (laughs) soon. But he is the only person in my friend list on Xbox, which makes me sad in that uh, there's no other options. Right. So I found a matchmaking app, you know, called I don't really like the name of it because it sounds, you know, when you think about what you're doing, it's called Overdog. Um, (laughs) And I don't know why it's called Overdog. I think that's just the name of the, the app. One of the functions of the app is to through mutual interests and game preferences. So so I put in there like I I just. You start. They just put up a whole bunch of pop culture things, and you click on the things that you like. You click on, you know, oh, I, I liked Ant Man. I'll click on that. I like Chicago Bears. I'll click on that. I like. So it's a bunch of stuff you click on that kind of builds your profile and your interests. And then you say, okay, here's the game. Here's my. Here's the top game I want to play. So right now it's Call of Duty Black Ops, and I. And then you can like other games that you do play. So I have Battlefront on there and stuff. And then it it does a matchmaking for you. It's like it's like a dating service for gamers. Electronic Yenta. 
Yes. So it, it says these people have similar interests to you, and, and this is the, also their preferred game. And it tells you whether or not they're currently online. You could friend them. You can send them a message. You can stalk them. Uh, you can follow them into the game that they're in and just, like, join up with them or whatever. I haven't actually, so I signed up for it. Did you tap them on the shoulder? Hey, 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 what are you, what are you doing? Want to hang out? Want to hang out? Want to play a game with me? So I've jo- I joined up, but now I'm just kind of laying low. Wow. I'm, I haven't actually reached out to anybody yet, and I figure I'm on there so someone can reach out to me, but I haven't actually reached out to anyone on there. So it's shown you your matches. You just haven't quite... I don't know the etiquette. The I don't table, know the yeah. etiquette. Like, what do you do? Do you just friend somebody immediately? Like, do you just add them to your friend list and see if they just go with it, or do you need to send them a message and say, hey, can I add you? a secret signal? You, like, light a cigarette? Yeah. Do I need to, like, do I need a wide stance? I mean, I don't... <laughs> I don't understand... What was the signal is? Handkerchief to, in your pocket. Yeah. yeah. What's the signal for? Let's play a video game together. Like and oh, so I joined. A, oh, this is this is the other thing that that puts you together. There's a group. Uh, so there, there's there's interest, but then there's group. So I'm a, I'm in a group called Dad's Gaming. So it's it's the way the group would describe oh, itself. Oh, that's cool. Is you know dads who like gaming but have families and their time their gaming time is limited. So I joined that group. You know what is probably good about that as well. In, in my limited interaction with whatever you call that gaming online. Mm-hmm. Overdog? Community. Overdog gaming. Um, I don't think you want them to, if, unless there's a slot in that profile for white supremacy and homophobia and so forth. Like, you don't want to get matched up with somebody who has the same pop culture interests as you and also loves hate speech. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you yeah. get in those games and there's some there's things that are being said. You well, know, there's stuff oh, yeah. going down. Well, every once in a while, like someone will invite you to a, a party to chat while you're playing a game just because you're on the same team and they want to communicate just with you guys to kind of coordinate things. And so, you know, I'll get an invite every once in a while and I'll join it. And like you get on. Like, I can't believe the things these guys are saying. And I got to get <laughs> off of here before there's some kind of record of me being in this group of people spouting this hate speech. Right, your your uh, your political career is ruined because you went into a chat room where everyone else had a swastika neck tattoo, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what and I'm enjoyed about. the Sims. Exactly. So at least this puts you, you know, one you're you've all got something to lose because you all have families. Apparently, I wonder how many of these are divorced dads gaming, but that seems like it should be a separate group. Is that is that different? I guess not. I guess you don't have to be. I guess I think that that Venn diagram is probably ninety percent overlap. Yeah, so I guess I can't I can't discount. Uh, don't mention your wife. Everyone will start crying into their headsets. <laughs> I was hanging out with my wife and kids. Oh, lucky you! <laughs> so I haven't pulled the trigger, but I've joined. I feel like I'm. Uh, I, is it desperate? Is it too desperate for me to do this? Should I just maybe not spend my time? Looking for I think it is. I mean, this is what people tell me about like my, my internet dating now, which all happened after we got married, like all this app dating stuff, is that it's no longer the pina colada song. It's no longer like the last refuge of the desperate. It yeah. is just how you, how else would you find people? I mean, you're somebody with a lot of friends, but when you start doing the math on like who is into gaming, who is into the same games, and who is into the same games at the same time as you... It eliminates all your mm-hmm. IRL friends. Yeah. So why not find them online? It's actually perfectly, I think it's perfectly logical. And if people are not lying about their profiles, you're going to actually find some like-minded who would, individuals. Who would lie about that, though? Who would go, man, I really want to be part of that dad's. It's, you know, some people might lie to be like as part of a younger group, but who wants to lie and be a part of 
dad's gaming group. Like, who wants to hang out with a bunch of 40-year-old playing Black Ops? Who, and the 40-year-olds are probably not very good at it. Maybe they have a different uh, definition of the word daddy. Well, folks, it's time for another episode of The Paternity Test to let the kids go clubbing with Stephanie Tanner. Follow us on Twitter at The Dad Test, like us on Facebook, and visit our website, paternitypodcast.com, or email us at paternitypodcast at gmail.com. Catch us Tuesdays at chicagoparent.com or call our voicemail, 657-BAD-DADS. And tell your friends about the show. Also, consider a donation to the show via our PayPal link at paternitypodcast.com. All right, everybody, remember... If you've been waiting for that different Strokes reboot, I hope you don't mind watching Willis in an abandoned house staring at an empty fishbowl. And until next time, best of luck passing the paternity test. (laughs) 